0: Greetings, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Ravishing Rampage edition of the Rage of Marks Wrestling Podcast. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Ravishing Randy, joined alongside by Rampage Ramsey. What's going on, man?
1: Um, nothing much. Uh, wasn't expecting to do an episode this week, but uh, it's fitting to um this uh for this episode uh, just to talk about the passing of two legends. Terry Funk on last Wednesday and then um,
0: not even 24 hours later man
1: Bray Wyatt on Thursday and uh, we know that since then the whole pay-per-view event happened in England but we'll discuss that next week Mm -hmm. along with all out and um, and the payback Payback. uh, pay-per-view will We'll be discussing it on Memorial Day and have that episode out uh, later on Memorial Day or Tuesday. Yeah. But uh, today um, you call you called me earlier in the week and was like, I think we need to do an episode, and I, I totally agreed. Uh, <clears throat> it's uh. It's devastating when you lose a legend like Terry Funk. Yeah. Uh, but when you get to to the age that he's in. And at 79, understandable. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that, like, his health
0: um, in the last couple of years had kind of been declining. You know, there, was, um, there was a period of time where he was in a uh, assisted living home, um, you know, he was battling dementia, um, wasn't good. Uh, fairly recently, though, Ric Flair uh, did make the comment that, um, you know, he was doing a lot better and that he was getting to spend some more time, like, back at his actual home with his family. Um, You know, then finally, you know, just I guess the rigors of his amazing Hall of Fame career just finally caught up with him and, um, you know, ended up passing away on Wednesday. Um, It's crazy because I I can distinctly remember on Thursday, um, you know, a lot of the uh, different wrestling media, you know, basically paying tribute to the man's illustrious career, um, you know, sharing stories about, uh, you know, either backstage silliness or um, just, just some of the legendary feuds that he had over a 50-plus year career. Um, and then later on in the afternoon, we get the news of uh, Bray Wyatt's passing, Wyndham Rotunda, and... Um, you know, the news kind of broke out over a tweet that was sent by um, Triple H, Paul Levesque, um, you know, saying that he had heard the news from uh, Wyndham's father, Mike Rotunda, another, you know, legendary wrestler. Um, but then it, the news spread like wildfire. And um, I didn't I, – I remember exactly where I was when I got the news, Um thursday evening and uh when i when i saw it on the phone i i couldn't believe it um so then you do the deep dive on the internet and you see and it it definitely blew me away i mean we were talking about it before um terry funk 79 years uh 79 years old when he passed had a nice long illustrious life and bray wyatt did at 36 heart attack That was brought about due to complications that he had with COVID earlier this year that uh, exacerbated a uh, pre existing heart condition. (laughs) It's just crazy. Um, I think that one hit me a lot harder than the Terry Funk news just because the dude's 36, two years younger than me. It's just, you know, it's just fucking crazy because you think, you know, a lot of these guys sometimes are bulletproof. You know, they um, they could do no wrong, and it just definitely puts things into perspective.
1: I, I I was actually trying to think when's the last time a I I would have to say the I guess the last big time was maybe Guerrero. Where unexpectedly we just you get the news and that um, a superstar a wrestling superstar just dead before he should have should have been yeah um, I mean it's it's crazy I mean I actually had flashbacks because I was at work um, we're we're getting slammed at work and then my phone starts blowing up. And I'm I'm looking, I'm like, oh, I I really couldn't grasp it because I was, I mean, I was running around trying to get everything done at work. And then when I got home and I started, like, going into it, I'm like, shit. And the only thing I could first thought about was in in the 90s when I found out about Carrie Von Erick's death. And it was like. I was just, it, it kind of was, it was a little bit taken back. It was like, oh, shit. Like, I haven't really felt like that. Like, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like that when Guerrero died. But, like, Kerry Von Erich, because the connection with Kerry Von Erich and being in, in, in Texas and everything, it was just, mm-hmm. it kind of hit me hard. Where Bray just felt like, I know, I know this recent his recent run has not been great the everything lead up but what i was looking forward to was after his in ring career and what he was going to bring to the wrestling world because i thought that was going to be his greatest gift to the wrestling and even what's going what he did behind the scenes in wwe nxt fcw was more representative to now because when I saw the the what is it X now tw- the tweet the
0: yeah. X X I'm I'm gonna still call it Twitter because the, fuck fuck you Elon it's, it's the
1: the tweet the the tweet where they had um I think it was like twenty one uh superstars and WWE employees went to go get uh Firefly tattoos
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was just like oh shit that's and like the and the group that's in there was like. That's interesting, that well, group that was in there, because you would not expect to be like, well, oh, that was, he came in after, and but then well, knowing, of, reading that he actually were best friends and helped them off screen and everything. and Well, when you look amazing. at that
0: crop, well, like when you look at that crop of wrestlers that were in FCW, um, you know, at the time that, you know, Husky Harris was being retooled and, you know, Wyndham came up with a spray white character. Um, a lot of the, the people that he, he was going through the motions and training in FCW with, uh, with Dusty Rhodes, and with a lot of those, um, you know, older creative types. Those are some of your top stars in both WWE, AEW, AEW Impact. I mean, th- these are a lot of your top stars that are currently in the game today yeah um so I mean he was definitely um uh, definitely a contemporary with a lot of your top stars um he he definitely had a hand in in cultivating a, a lot of the um talent that that you see now like like Becky Lynch um part of the reason why her match was very emotional on raw or you know in the main event this past week. Um, was because Bray was the one who kind of taught her how to take her first table bump, um, you know, when she was uh, still early on in the NXT system and, you know, hadn't done a table spot in the E before, and so kind of showed her how to go through that. Um, he had a helping hand in Bailey's career. Um, you know, it's, ugh, damn. It, it, it's still kind of just the whole thing still hasn't really set in with me yet. Um, I, I'll say that, like, again, when I got the news or when I found out the news, um, I was at a bar drinking. So um, it definitely led me to to think about, you know, what am I doing with my life? What uh, <laughs> what choices am I making? You know, um, you know, what what? How can I be a better person from a health standpoint? Am I going to my doctor on a regular basis? You know, because um, I have a pre-existing heart condition as well. You know, um, it it just it really it was a mind fuck. Um, you know, it, it 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 this one definitely stings. You you kind of brought up about the fact that his most recent run. Um, wasn't going as well as expected i think the thing that really sucked about it is we we never really got to see what the end game was because you you could tell that was definitely a kooky crazy story you know this whole you know reborn bray wyatt and uncle howdy and you know we're never really going to see what's going to come of that you know And I think that it's kind of sad because the story of his career, especially once he made it up to the main roster, is you know, stop go, stop go. When it comes to his push and like WWE never truly, fully committing, getting on board with the program.
1: Yeah, that's where, you know, having Vince in charge and not having Triple H in charge when. When Bray was at top of his peak, it hurt, 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 hurt um, Bray's push because you know Triple H thought the world of him, and you know, you know, first thing he did was hey we're gonna bring him back. Mm-hmm. Then the look, everything Bray Wyatt touched was was gold. His matches weren't sometimes not the greatest. But it's kind of hard to. It's kind of hard to wrestle someone who has that aspect of. Like is. You know that supernatural type of character. And it's. It's kind of hard. You know I I think it's. It's not the easiest thing to do. So you know. I just think that you know, just waiting to see, what how this? I think this whole end game of bring back, would have been the wide Six and everything back. Yeah, it just it just been it would have been, you know, we kept kept waiting, kept waiting. Health is always your the the your main focus, but um, it it, it sucks that uh, we ain't going to see the the ending to it. I I do think that. We haven't seen the end of the Wyatt family. I... I think... I, I think... I think you're going to see something come out, Not right away. But you're going to see something where... Just for out of respect. Braun Strowman. I think you'll see Eric Ron come back to the company.
0: I mean, that'd be nice. Uh,
1: <laughs> if... Like, like, like they said, like, like Braun said, like, is said, if it's okay with JoJo, with, uh, Rotunda, with Bo.
0: Um, it, you know, it, it's it kind of crazy because you bring up Bo, um, you know, Bo was Uncle Howdy, or at least that's what, um.
1: No, he was going go out. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, well no, I mean I'm just saying like you know it wasn't like officially revealed who was under the mask, but I mean it, it's the scuttlebutt been out there that it was it was bro under the mask. Um it, it, you do kind of wonder if maybe they carry on his legacy through Bo if they are going to, you know, do that, but I genuinely I don't know how I feel about that. That's, you know, I mean, it's a good way to honor the man to honor your brother by keeping his legacy going. At the same time, though, you know, it, it was his creative mind that, you know, had the vision to see where the story was going to go, how to carry it on, everything. And now that he's not there, how do you do that
1: justice? And I, I, I don't know I, how. I, I think you It's just kind of the same way, kind of what AEW has done for uh Googler, where his son is is uh still the, the leader oh. of the dark order. Yeah. Tug cheek. I mean Bo can be like coming up come up as the leader, but be honest, like, what happened with Hubler wouldn't happen with without Bray. Right. Braun Strowman would have been nothing without Bray. Mm-hmm. Eric Rowan's like the one that's been like the outside, but he, he always looked strong when he got out of WWE because mm-hmm. people actually say, like, dude, he's a giant. Let's let's book him like a big, big guy. But, I mean, I think that just do it for respect-wise, just to have that to have that respect uh, for him. And then from now on, you're going to see the tattoo. Braun, Braun Strowman got the, the Firefly tattoo on on mm-hmm. him. It's gonna be. Um, I know um, it, it's it's gonna be crazy.
0: Let's. Um, I kind of I, I kind of do want to do a little bit more of a deep dive into into Bray and you know like some of my favorite moments and, and memories of um you know his his career in the ring and um celebrate his successes. But let's 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 backtrack a bit. Let's uh let's go ahead and talk about uh, Terry Funk to start. Um, you know, like, I'll be honest, I, you know, being born in the mid-80s, um, I didn't really get to see much of um, Terry Funk live or, like, as, you know, the matches were were happening until, um you know, a bit of his ECW stuff. And then uh, more so when he went back to the WWE, um you know, around 97, 98. Um, so, I mean... Why don't you um? Why don't you go ahead and maybe touch on a few, um. Just on a few of your thoughts, like, because I know you you kind of grew up watching him, um, especially like NWA days and everything. Um,
1: I've heard some some older wrestlers this past week made a statement. Terry Funk, probably the greatest wrestler to ever live. And I, and I sat back and I was like, sat back and thought about it. Because to me, he's ECW. He made ECW. He,
0: he, made it, he made it legitimate. And he made a lot of people.
1: He made everybody. He made the company. He put over everybody. But more on top, he put over the company. But he would, and then he went to, when he went to WWE, he was so, like over 50, over 55. And he was doing spots, putting over other talent that you're at his age should not be doing. For that, I think, I would have to agree. I think he's the greatest wrestler of all time because his main goal was to put over people. And I as an as a kid, I remember as much as you hate Rick as a kid, as much as Ric Flair is a heel, Terry Funk made Ric Flair as a heel such a baby face. It was fucking ridiculous. Oh yeah. And it's so crazy that I going back and remember it's like, God damn, I'm like Ric Flair was a fucking heel, but Terry Funk made fucking Rick Flair look like fucking Princess Diana compared dude. to the shit that that uh, Terry Funk was doing. Uh, it's actually amazing,
0: dude. Like one of the things that we kind of pride ourselves on with with this podcast, or at least with like some of our favorite wrestlers, is their ability to reinvent themselves. Uh, multiple times over the course of their career. I mean, our shoot greatest wrestler of our era, uh, or at least that we voted upon through the through the tournament, was Chris Jericho for that very reason. Um, again, we'll talk a lot about Bray later on, but the many times that, you know, Wyndham Rotunda was able to reinvent himself, um, you know, during the course of his career. But, like, in many ways, Terry Funk was one of the first to... Do that, and do it as successfully as he as one could do. I mean, you know, there's a guy that came out of uh, Amarillo, Texas. You know, basically cowboy. Um,
1: West Texas State.
0: Yep. Um, it, I I think it was uh, I'm trying to remember uh, Jerry Lawler, one of the few that, that said one of the few people that said they went to West Texas State and that actually went went to West Texas to State. West Texas State. Um, But, you know, like basically, you know, the cowboy coming out of um, Amarillo, um, you know, he had a illustrious 12 year stretch, um, you know, when the NWA championship wrestling for Florida um, had a legendary empty arena match with uh, Jerry Lawler in 1981 in Memphis um, defeated Jack Briscoe in 1975 for the NWA championship. Um, you know, basically did all that, um, also wrestling in Japan over the course of that time, all the way through till like, um, all Japan pro wrestling from 72 to 91. Um, and it was really over there, um, that, um, you know, he got in the ring with like the Sheik, Abdullah, the Butcher, um, Bruiser Brody. And you could kind of see where a lot of that hardcore mentality started to come from. Um, he had that blink-and-you'll-miss-it run in the WWF um, in the mid-'80s. Um, WCW from 89 to 90. We were talking about it a moment ago with uh, you know that legendary feud that he had with Ric Flair. Um, then uh, he goes to Japan, and really it's with IWA uh, in that 94 to 95 stretch that He has that legendary sequence of matches with Cactus Jack, uh, Mick Foley, um, that he kind of becomes known as like the king of hardcore, and then that transfers over to ECW. Um, And then we hit the ground running from there. So, um,
1: yeah, he, uh, what he did at ECW is, as an ECW fan, and every ECW fan has to, you know, you think of, like, the Mount Rushmore, VCW, and a lot of people go, you put Sandman, you put Dreamer, Dreamer Raven. You put Raven, you put Taz, I mean, there's a, there's, 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 there's a five to six core wrestlers, but the main one is fucking Terry Funk. Because the he brought that Japan mentality to ECW, and then when everyone saw that, it was like, oh, let's run, let's carry it, Paul Heyman, which is...
0: He, carry, he carried on the gimmick even backstage before match, after match, everything. He carried the gimmick until he left the building that night. Um, and that's the kind of mentality that uh, a lot of those, especially the younger ECW talent or like early on in ECW's life, not Eastern championship wrestling, but actual extreme championship wrestling or the ECW that we know and love. Um, a lot of these wrestlers had no idea what was going on whenever they had encounters with Terry Funk backstage. Um, but then, you know, outside of the arena, completely different cat. Um, But he definitely caused everybody to elevate their game and get their shit together. And that's why, like, in in many ways, DCW is kind of regarded as the little engine that could, you know?
1: You know, and, uh, like, trying to think of the greatest moment, the greatest moment of of mine for Mick Foley, I mean, Terry Funk, Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the match. Happened with the Hell in a Cell match with <laughs> Mick Foley and Undertaker mm-hmm. when he got chokeslammed out of his fucking shoes. <laughs> and I, I when he when that happened, I was like, I, I, when I just like, why is Terry? Because like at first it was like that. Why is Terry Funk in the ring helping out Mick Foley, making sure he's okay? When there they animated each other, right? And then he gets choked on him and his shoes is all his white dad dad shoes came off wearing sweat sweatpants. It, to me that's like the moment I was like, that's fucking awesome. I was like that, that's right there. That's 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 like the greatest memory for me. I mean that's what match wise is the- it's him and Sabu.
0: Yeah. Ch- Jesus Christ, like Sabu nearly bleeding out.
1: And then in that match. them taking like fifteen minutes to cut he, to cut them out of the freaking barbed wire with each other. Probably the greatest match I've ever seen with them. Other the other third moment would be when him and, and these I remember seeing it and I said, "What is these dumbasses doing when they're in the damn uh, dumpster and they get pushed off and there's no crash pad?" No, And I'm like, what is this? What, and Terry really Funk and,
0: and, and Terry Funk fucked up his hip, uh, like, with he's that 50, spot.
1: He's over 50, Jack's, Jack's over 40. What the fuck are they doing?
0: I was just saying, man, like it was, it was great, um, getting to see them at WrestleMania 14, uh, him and McFoley win the tag championships. Um, you know, again, especially like that late in the game, the fact that Terry, you know, still had that much to give and. Um, you know, it, then he pops back up in WCW. Like, I mean, he bounced back and forth between WWE and ECW for a time and then basically returned to WCW right before they folded and uh was a mainstay in their hardcore division there. Um, did stuff in uh in NWA TNA, um, you know, 2004 trips on the independent circuit. I mean, the dude. Basically wrestled uh, up until twenty seventeen uh, is when he wrestled his last match. Um, like I said, it, not just the fact that he had such an illustrious wrestling career, but then also, um, you know, having a nice uh, little run in Hollywood in the late eighties. I mean, um, some of the biggest movies uh, over the top: Sylvester Stallone, uh, Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Um, you know, just iconic roles in in movies, and, you know, he's, you know, he he was on a wild run there in the late 80s. Um, of course, Beyond the Mat, um, you know, the the infamous wrestling documentary that came out in the late 90s, um, a lot of it kind of centered around his run in, in ECW, so, um, practically given it being told he needed, like, knee replacement and then didn't get the surgery until years
1: later. Um, the fact that in his last match, all these motherfuckers belong in a retirement home. <laughs> like, he teamed up with freaking The Rocky Crow Express, and they, they defeated uh, Doug Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, and Lawler's son, Brian Christopher. It's it, that's funny. <laughs> it's like, holy fuck, like, like all of them should have been like a uh should have been a retirement home
0: yeah no I mean um as I say it was kind of fun listening um listening to uh one illustrious wrestling podcast um that Thursday uh, after his passing and hearing um tommy dreamer and um Bubba Ray Dudley just kind of share a lot of their stories um about I think it was like in 2 or no it was like 1997 um <clears throat> he had like a big um wrestling event that he put on in his hometown of Amarillo um Terry Funk's Wrestlefest in 1997 um he main evented the card against uh, then WWF champion Bret Hart. Um, But he had invited a ton of wrestlers. Um, You had a very young Bubba Ray Dudley that was starstruck because Terry Funk was one of his idols um, growing up. And uh, the fact that both, uh, I believe both he and... Uh, Tommy Dreamer never cashed their four hundred dollar check from making that appearance at uh, you know, at that WrestleFest event, and the fact that uh, Bubba Ray Dudley shared that story with uh, with Terry Funk years later, and Terry Funk just kind of pulled him off to the side and was like, "So you're the reason why I can't
1: balance my damn checkbook,"
0: <laughs> you know. So, so just you know, kind of kind of fun. Um, Fun, funny stories to look back on, and it was it was great getting to hear a lot of. There their- was also
1: the um, that event. Paul Heyman actually picked up a collection from all the wrestlers backstage, and presented him with the all time ECW World Heavyweight Championship. So lifetime championship. So he's the lifetime. He was award. They gave him the belt. They got a belt for him. And said that he is the forever ECW World Heavyweight Champion, man. which tells you how much he meant for that company, but also how broke that company was where they couldn't really afford it. They had to get everybody get get everybody to uh, put in for the belt.
0: But it seems very appropriate for ECW, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> it was gritty, man, it, it, but he brought that grittiness. But... uh you know Terry Funk you know Terry Funk still lives because Mick Foley is still still kicking around and with that you'll we always will get that part I always thought that with with Terry Funk you wouldn't have mankind you wouldn't have Mick Foley Mm -hmm. you know he made Mick Foley Mick Foley had made countless others um and now we really don't have that type of matches anymore, which are good and bad. Because the good is, I don't think no none of these wrestlers can actually put that show on. Mm-hmm. The bad part is, there's some organizations I'm going to not name try to put them on, and then it just duds. <clears throat> I was about
0: to say save your hate for the next show because I know. Well, I know when we talk about all in, you're 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 gonna have your comments. So yeah, no, no, save, save it for then.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just, uh, you know. Um, I just think that um, I think for both for both Bray and for Terry Funk, what WWE did Friday night was so good. Yeah. That whole entire show, that 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 tribute show, and cutting cutting everything that they did, and putting in the matches that they did, was perfect.
0: Close to perfect. The only the only the only reason why I say close to perfect is the fact that they had a Terry Funk hardcore rules match that wasn't really.
1: It wasn't Hardcore, hardcore but but the match was good.
0: Yeah, no, was, yeah, still a good the match. match. Was good. Don't know what was hardcore about it, but I mean, just again, the fact that you know, <laughs> Cody, like, like getting Cody Rhodes to come to to SmackDown and and share his story of you know being being a young Cody Rhodes and traveling through the airport with his father and you know Terry Funk, you know, laying in insults, you know, at his dad. Things like that. Um, you know, like, Cody didn't have to be there, but he was there. And, and it was nice that, you know, again, we're just coming off the heels of not only that, but also hearing of Bray's passing. And, I mean, Bray is a more current superstar. But, um,
1: like, like, getting getting Cody for, for Terry and then bringing in, flying in. Braun Strowman, mm-hmm. who's recovering from surgery. Yeah. And then bringing in Eric Braun. Yeah. You know, the only person, two people that were missing from, from, from the episode. Uh, one I can understand because she's pregnant. and is Well, 11.
0: she she also could get a flight out in time. It was like by the time she would have gotten a flight that would get her there, the the show would already be over.
1: And the second one would have been no Roman
0: yeah but um I mean I guess I guess we could go ahead and and, and get back to to the to the bray side but I will I will say well, that before
1: it, we go back to the bray um, let me see that uh, paper about Terry because I print out his uh, his opponents and just go like retrospective yeah but you know when we do our like profiles I always put the top 50. Uh, wrestlers that they they fought so um in um Terry funk's case, then the wrestler that he faced the most was harley race mm-hmm. um hell you know Terry funk actually in his career uh record is one thousand six hundred and twelve wins one thousand six hundred one thousand sixty eight losses. Three hundred ninety-five draws for a plus fifty-four win-loss um, differential. Di- differential with fifty-six total championships, with four major world ch- world championships uh, for Terry Funk. But um, a lot of these matches between Harley Race happened before I was born.
0: <laughs> yeah, more more like uh, seven early
1: late seventies, early eighties. I mean, second one was, uh, I don't even remember this guy. C- Cyclone? Got to be from the West Texas days. But you got Dusty Rhodes at number three, Dick Murdoch at number four, Brisk Jack Briscoe at number six. I mean, Junkyard Dog at 11. This is this some of the, the great... A lot of his great, great, great matches happened back in back in the day, like before, before I existed. Well, a lot of his
0: great rivalries were, you know, back in the day. But I mean, um, it, it, it it it's just crazy because um, again, like going going to that whole reinventing yourself thing, man. Like he was he was a crazy, no nonsense, beer swilling Texan, um, you know. I, like, I was going back, and I was watching a lot of his uh, promos from um, Continental Wrestling, like when he had the feud with Jerry Lawler. Um, I was watching uh, some of his stuff from the mid-'80s when he had the run in WWF with uh, Lord Alfred Hayes and Vince McMahon in, in a bar with him. Um, the, I mean, the dude was a hell of a promo back in the day. And, you know, like, that's the thing. You know, he, he was... Uh, I guess I guess you could say, in a sense, he laid the uh, the blueprint for what Stone Cold Steve Austin would be, as far as that Texas brawling style, so to speak. Um, you know, back in those days, he had a nice um, run in the tag division with his uh, brother Dory.
1: I know that was a great tag team. Mm-hmm. One of uh, probably one of the best tag teams in I don't know, seventies early early. Yeah, seventies really. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, man, it, it's it's kind of it, it 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 brings to me, you know, because he he passed away at seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Amazing thing is that he married his wife in nineteen sixty five, and they were married till her death in
0: twenty
1: nineteen. Yeah, and then. You know, about dementia it start I'm like which is understanding, you know, um once you lose your loved one, you know, decline in health happens. Um, but my dad's only five years younger than him and I look at my and I look at my dad. My dad's a health nut, like over over health nut. Mm-hmm. He like takes his blood pressure and if it's off by a number he freaks freaks out.
0: Hypochondriac
1: no he just like starts to, like just he's just so worried about his health and i'm like eh, you're a little bit too worried about your health but um yeah all i can say is like he's one of the probably his, yeah i'll, I'll say it. he is the greatest wrestler to ever probably he's
0: definitely in that conversation no, no doubt about it. I mean, it, it, very influential on um, a lot of wrestlers um, in the uh, in the ninety, like in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, even even to a certain extent, um, say early two thousands. Um, uh, even now,
1: I mean, all, just, yeah. to, just to go through, I mean, like look at now, like JBL has had his the JBL character had a little Terry Funk in him. You know, with, with the roughneck style. Oh wow. Well. In ring in ring style JBL is you can see there's a lot a lot of Terry like early Terry Funk.
0: hmm
1: Um yeah, just
0: Yeah.
1: It it's sad to see Legends Fall, but it's also the game of life. But um legends will fall, but up and coming legends. Legendary yeah. up and coming is um even even harder. So like with um with Bray um what are some of your your mom moment, greatest moments that you, that uh, of Bray Wyatt Dude um
0: the promos man um the the little vignettes like, like I, I can think back to when the Wyatt family made their debut July 8th, 2013 um you know the vignettes start playing on raw and like who the hell is this guy that's in the backwoods Louisiana swamps um you know they basically just you know Telling us to, to follow him and, and everything. What was this? And then, like, later on in the show, unexpectedly, him attacking Kane. Um, you know, and then, uh, of course, I remember when he actually made his debut in the ring, or not in the ring, but like that live debut on Raw. Um, you know, he, uh, he just sat in his recliner and he had Harper and, and Rowan. Doing his dirty work, beating up Kane um, while fans are chanting Husky Harris. You know, because, um, you know, that was the last time we had seen him on the main roster, was the whole NXT, uh, back when NXT was a game show and not a developmental territory. Um, you no, know, it was like that what, character. Michael
1: McGillicuddy.
0: Michael McGillicuddy, uh, later be known as Curtis Axel. Um, you know, so it, it you know, but but him making that debut and and but the vignettes and everything just kind of resonating, and then, um, you know, really would put him on the map. Um, you could you could flip a coin and say, um, the run that he had with Daniel Bryan, uh, with Bryan Danielson, you know, for kind of like bringing him into the fold of the Wyatt family by force, um. And then Brian, like, like, you want to talk about just, like, Kim being a launching point for a lot of people's careers. Because, I mean, the whole thing with uh, Daniel Bryan really took off when he turned on Bray in that cage match and, you know, took off the overalls and whatever. That was, like, the peak pinnacle of the yes movement. Just, like, seeing that visual... Of all the fans doing the yes chants and everything. that You know, the, the Wyatt family and Bray Wyatt had a huge hand in that. Um, you know, leading to a match at Royal Rumble 2014 where um, he actually goes over Daniel Bryan. You know, that, that was a big thing. Of course, Bryan would get his at WrestleMania that year, you know, basically winning championship in the main event here in New Orleans. Um I'll say one thing that definitely resonates with me uh was being at WrestleMania 30 and seeing that um John Cena Bray Wyatt match and the build for that was amazing. Um I was upset that Bray didn't go over that night. Uh, but I guess it's kind of that rule of thumb of, like, you get a badass entrance with, like, a band actually playing your music live at the event. You have to lose. Um, but, like, j- just seeing the Fireflies, you know, seeing, like, 60, 70,000 in the Superdome, you know, with, with their phones out, lighting up the Fireflies. It was just amazing to feel that and witness that in person. Um You know, they. I mean, like he's had several different career milestones. Um, you know, with the Wyatt family that feud, um, or that series of matches that they had with Shield, um, in twenty fourteen were fucking fantastic. Um, you know, Shield would then eventually go on to feud with uh, Evolution, but I mean, before that feuding with the Wyatts, I mean, to me. That was the feud that everybody wanted to see in 2014. And they they delivered. Um, you know, that Elimination Chamber 2014 uh, six-man match was <laughs> unbelievable. Um, and then when they did the rematch uh, a couple months later on Raw, it was just as good. Um, so, you know, they definitely delivered. I was happy for him that in his first chance with the uh or his first chance at the WWE championship he ended up winning it. Wasn't happy that the run only lasted a month and he was a transitional champion, but I felt like he finally got his just due. Um winning that elimination chamber over guys like John Cena, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, the Miz, Baron Corbin. Um yeah, I, I mean, I I marked out heavily when when they finally pulled the trigger and put the belt on him. Um, I mean, there, there's a few other things I could definitely you know ramble on and talk about, but I want to go ahead and maybe get some of your thoughts, um, on some of the some of the maybe the more enjoyable stretches of his career.
1: Oh, the NXT run, uh, the the end of the FCW run, and when it transitioned to NXT. Um. Just, just seeing how that character was grown, going in in NXT, and how it was a cult following, and when, and this is when too is like kind of like the kind of like the first time, really a character transitioned from NXT, really went from NXT to the roster, but didn't change. Yeah. And I,
0: just I, and then I will give WWE credit for actually not tweaking the gimmick, tweaking the character, just letting him do his thing.
1: And then the thing that and it, it should have been a lesson to Vince saying, "Look, people follow him; they will follow characters." He, and he had just he had that animal
0: magnetism, that charisma, that whenever he would talk, it what. It wasn't like a lot of these a lot of these wrestlers they're trying to find their character and they go out there and they spout out stuff that they don't believe and you as a fan don't buy into it because you're like, oh, this guy's just reading from you know reading from a cue card or reading from bullet points he was given before he came out. No, like he came out there. I couldn't understand some of his promos at all. Sometimes like listening to him talk would be like Listening to Ultimate Warrior go on one of his legendary rambling promos. But the way he delivered it, it and the conviction that he gave, you bought into it. I you, under, I, I, you leaned it a little closer to hear I what listened, he had to
1: say. I think maybe because of how his voice is and you can't understand the, the what he was saying sometimes. But I understood him. I understood him more than listening to Warrior. Well, Warriors it, promos. I was just like, what? The that
0: that was that was fuck? maybe
1: a bad analogy, but
0: no, they, they're just like in the sense it's like it's the ramblings of a madman. Yeah, and it's and it's like sometimes you might be like, where's he going with this? But no, like I I need to listen. I'm hanging on Le- every leg- word.
1: Legitly, legitly, he could have started a cult church and had followers. Yeah, that's how good he was when he talked. Because when he talked, he he listened. It's kind of like when you have some of those great presidents mm-hmm. and you have those great presidents start doing a speech and when they start talking you just you can capture roosevelt roosevelt speak everyone listened mm-hmm. when kennedy spoke everyone stopped and listened it's those type of those you have those very few people that when they stop and speak it's kind of like Until his passing there's probably two people that there's two people in the world that if they get up to a microphone and start speaking everyone would stop Bray Wyatt. and of course my mom, my brain just went blank again <laughs> it'll but come it's, it, it'll actor, come actor Oh, crap played uh shit, I am freaking... played in 7
0: oh um Brad Pitt, Morgan no, Freeman. Morgan Freeman.
1: Okay. I said, when Morgan Freeman speaks, everyone listens. Mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt speaks, everyone listens.
0: Dude, and, and like, you know what? Um, the, de- uh, the debut of the Firefly Funhouse. Um, I know like everybody was like hotly anticipating his return from uh, injury. And everybody was talking about how he was uh, tweaking his character and he was going to be debuting something different. And the, you know we had these little like teases of you know what it could be, then all of a sudden we see it. It's like this Mister Rogers. This I was lo- thinking we're like, what the fuck is this?
1: I love the fire, the Firefly Funhouse. I love. I didn't love the fiend character, but I love the fiend character and what what Alexa Bliss brought to it. When in a Thunderdome, when you can make it kind of believable because you could do production. Yeah, well, live didn't like it.
0: I well no, I I will say this: like he made a believer out of me with the Firefly Funhouse, and um I loved a lot of those promos um that were you know basically right there in the house. And look, when the Fiend debuted um against Finn Balor at uh, SummerSlam 2019 that was a pretty fucking impressive uh look just like the, the the huge contrast between the the you know Mr. Rogers character and the fiend like and yeah. day i mean that was a really cool display to see um dude like firefly Finehouse uh match against john cena at wrestlemania 36 is probably the best
1: like if, if probably the best thing best film film of all that the best Probably the best filmatography match mm-hmm. you can they, of all time, pretty much, I think. Because that, that shit was, like, how it hit everything.
0: Dude, deep
1: dive. It went through, like... It actually made me kind of like John Cena at that moment, because going through all the... Rendi- I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I am good. prototype. You know, that's just... And they go on NWO, it just it was just it was amazing. and I think you know that's why I said that the sad thing about this is that we don't get to see his mind creatively in the future behind the scenes. Yeah because there was going to be a fact that this guy was going to run a company and be a, run creative in, 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 in a wrestling company. And it was going to be phenomenal. He could have been in the future starting another wrestling company to rival and actually be great, or have a whole different following, like a horror wrestling league. Yeah, because it because his mind was too great. That WWE is kind of hampered with with the the G ratings and the mm-hmm. PG and the bullshit, but his mind would have been great where you could start a whole wrestling company and do like a whole horror wrestling genre, which would have been probably just off the hook.
0: I mean, he was a guy that definitely had a future once he decided to hang up the tights. I mean, no doubt about it, he was going to have some future in the business in a creative capacity. Because a mind like that, you don't waste that kind of creativity. Um, I mean, it, it does suck that you know, because I was all excited to see, you know, he makes this comeback, um, you know, Philly last year at Extreme Rules, and like, holy shit, like, the place went ape shit.
1: I, I say the lead-up, the QR code prom, promo. All
0: the little subliminal messages and everything. Is the
1: greatest way to debut someone and I've ever seen wrestling. Well, it rivals it rivals Y2 uh the Y2J thing cuz i thought that was the countdown the current, to the millennium Clock. i thought that yeah. was the greatest fucking uh debut to make a debut ever and there's QR codes every week something new something the little things in the background it just blink, yeah, blink and you miss it and it's so awesome and
0: then even you know you you scan the QR code you go to the website and you're like what is all this? You get the little, you get, you basically get like a little nugget, a little puzzle piece, and it's like you're trying to piece together the puzzle with each new piece, week in, week out. And like, it, it, it I love the interactivity that was involved with it. And this was right around the time that we were praising WWE for doing something different. The fact that you had all those old Easter eggs that. Yeah, you had a backstage promo that was going on, but then there'd be something happening on, on the side that it's like, oh shit, you need to be paying attention to that. You know, like it, it, was, it, it was very captivating television, just the build to that. And then when he made his return at Extreme Rules and you saw all these lifelike um, Firefly Funhouse characters popping up in the crowd. Uh, and then we get the reveal of Uncle Howdy, or we see Bray Wyatt in the Uncle Howdy mask before he takes it off and reveals his face. You know,
1: I, I, I go, I went back, oh, fifteen times, just to try to listen to what he actually said because I still couldn't hear what he said mm-hmm. because that crowd was. I loved it when, when the crowd reaction, he had, he he. He kinda had he broke that little grin. I was just like, Oh man, this is fucking great. He fucking that's that's what I like. Bam. Dude. Yeah, so, so he was just he was captivated about the audience and then boom, it was just like it, it came out perfect as a debut.
0: The fact that like when he when he actually did speak I think it was like the the next like night on raw or, or the next like time he was on SmackDown or whatever, when he actually like Spoke for the first time since coming back to the company. Um, you know, because, like, when he got let go during COVID, I think a lot of us were like, what? Yeah, it
1: was like, what the fuck?
0: Yeah, you know, like, uh, how do you how do you fire a guy like that?
1: Well, that um, the, it was, there was two what the fuck moments that year was, what the fuck was that re- WrestleMania match? Mm-hmm. Like, really, what the fuck? And then you really like, what like, the fuck how
0: many how many times is Randy Orton going to bury Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania
1: shit um, god damn that fucking match was just so terrible
0: but um but no like you know the the fact that like when he made his return on SmackDown and he he kind of broke character a bit and he he spoke from the heart you know like
1: that that to was the fan the- base, that was that was pretty fucking moving like uh, his his promo's leading up to um to the uh uh Royal Rumble match uh his first match back and last match back um uh, with uh, uh L.A. Knight with, with L.A. Knight being just talking from his heart from his soul to the people it's that's way you could have promo that's a dusty rose promo yeah I mean, like, it was a great it was a great set of promos. Having him, you know, helping L.A. Knight. And what L.A. Knight, that promo L.A. Knight hit on Friday night mm-hmm. was so great. Because he did the ode to Bray. And he's like, "Yep, yeah, he learned. He goes, you might talk what he did. He might steal a gimmick. Here and there, or it takes gimmicks from other people and blend them in. That's what all wrestlers do. Yeah. But what he did was that is fucking great. It was a great ode. That mm-hmm. was probably was the best ode of the whole night. And goes, A man once told me, run. run. Fucking great. It was just, it's to me, like that little, those little parts are the best parts. Where you can start respecting pay homage and respect you don't the, getting the tattoos, I thought that was like I, that was like great, especially you see the the ones they got like carrying cross mm-hmm. scarlet uh brawn though that's that's great you know i'm I'm guessing alexa plus is gonna have one when she when she has the baby mm-hmm. um I think it's gonna be great seeing that. You know you know things that you you know hearing the things and not and I didn't expect to hear any to read anything from Bo yet or from uh, um, from anybody but I also feel for like because like all that they keep saying like feel for you know for the wrestlers you know you got a lot of people that's close to him, but damn near Who's kinda like damn near is almost a sister in law. I mean, they're uh her and Bo's not dead, but like Liv Morgan's part mm-hmm. of that family, you know. Yeah. They, you know, her and Bo. You know, that, that that shit can change because you can't tell me that her character last year, they're a little crazy and come around that you can't say that Bray wasn't wasn't at well, was behind the scenes at the house saying, like, hey, why don't you try this? Yeah. I guarantee you that had gray all over it.
0: I'm, I'm sure he definitely uh, had, had a had hand a little, in that.
1: They
0: had a little. Had a little uh, w- uh, well, I mean, the, the rumor in the window was it. that she was going to be part of the Wyatt Six, um, along with potentially Alexa Bliss, along with.
1: I, I mean. Thought, uh, I, I thought that would have been. Not, the the potential of what everything was going to be was going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I. It said that we're not going to get it. it. Said all this, the things that that happen, but sometimes, and this doesn't mean to be cryptic or. This is just me, saying because there's something to being in music in the Twenty Seven Club. Mm-hmm. It's also iconic too. Sometimes when. When you're at your at the game, when you're when you're gone, kind of like like the Von Erics mm-hmm. this thing this this legendary the legend the legend of the Von Erics will always be carried because of what happened. Right. I don't think this the the way he went out, and all everything that that people remember so great about, will never go away.
0: No. And the I,
1: legend will live longer. I feel bad for JoJo because I, I, from what I understand, that the wedding was was supposed to be happening some sooner. Yeah. Because I think uh, Drew McIntyre, goes, we're not supposed to be going to a wedding. We're to be going to. A, uh, I mean, we're supposed to be going to a wedding. Not a funeral. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I mean. Bad it, for it, the kids. Yeah, because
0: four children. Um, Two from a previous relationship, and then you know, two with JoJo, and um, you know, like like hearing a lot of um, hear a lot of WWE wrestlers talk about his relationship with his kids, um, and how he was just like an outstanding father, and like in a way, um, you know, once a lot of those other superstars started having kids of their own, just talking about like how supportive he was, and like. How you know most conversations weren't about you know backstage politics and what's going on with work. It was about family. Yeah. You know, it. I mean, he really was in a way kind of like a big brother to to a lot of the stars. Um, you know, outside of the ring, and so it definitely, it, it definitely sucks from that standpoint of like the family aspect. I'm, I'm very, I'm proud of WWE. For for stating that like all the proceeds from his merch sales are gonna be going to support the family, like that that's a big step, um, you know that that's WWE stepping up to the plate and that's
1: I will, great I to will see. Always say this about WWE. As much as bad we could talk about WWE and a lot of a lot of bad things, and there's a lot of bad. There's a dark side of WWE. Right? No, no,
0: they they've done a lot of fucked up shit. Over the
1: years. But I will tell you right off the bat they've taken care of the Guerrero family for a very long time. Yep. They kept Vicky employed and kept Vicky uh uh in the wrestling game, which is a a great gift to the fans still because she provided. Um even making amends with the with Warrior and then Everything happening right after his Hall of Fame, Diana Warrior was on the on the writing staff, and then mm-hmm. was still uh, uh, was part of like their their charity and their um,
0: kind of like their outreach outreach show.
1: program. Mm-hmm. Um, so they always will they always have taken care of like the the stars that were committed to them. So I mean. That's the one good thing we can say about WWE. They will take care, of because look, JoJo's not there no more. But mm-hmm. that's look, all of them are still, you know, WWE family. Yeah. You know, so I it, I know for this like those shirts will be, the Bray Wyatt, the Bray Wyatt brand is still always going to be there. I think there's no way around it. It's it's going to be, it some of the greatest things that we could, that we got. And just I'm thankful we, we got to see it. Yeah. We got to experience it.
0: You know, going back to the the point you were making about uh, the 27 club and, you know, the fact that him dying as young as he did, you know, it, it definitely does kind of put a special aura around him because, you know we, we definitely can can all sit there and say you know what if what what could have been you know um, it ugh, man it, it, it it's devastating but you know it, it, if there's one thing that it's kind of caused me to do i mean like, like i said it, it, it's definitely got me um kind of questioning you know some of my habits and everything, and you know, making me want to to try to like improve some aspects, especially when it comes to my health and taking care of myself. Especially because you did but, you
1: did get COVID and.
0: Well, I mean, I've had I've had COVID three times, and <laughs> well, I so fun fact, I'm I'm almost positive that I had COVID right before COVID COVID. Yeah, because, I mean, I had gotten deathly sick, like, that January, um, and it was an upper respiratory infection that most doctors couldn't, like, actually figure out what it was. They ran tests and everything, and they were like, oh, this is just, like, a really bad strain. I'm like, this is the sickest I've ever felt, like, shit, you know? not I mean, it knocked me on my ass for, like, two and a half, three weeks. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, and then a couple months later, you know, boom, that's when, you know, I mean, shit, working in hotels, I mean, you get people traveling all the time or whatever. I'm I'm, I'm convinced that I caught COVID January 2020. Actually, like, December 2019, January 2020 before it full-blown. But besides the point, um, you know, just, like, some of the similarities there, um, especially maybe when it comes to, like, weight, you know, uh, Pre existing heart condition, all that stuff, like, just definitely caused me to put, you know, greater emphasis on, you know, taking care of myself. But going down the rabbit hole of, like, looking at a lot of his old promos, looking at what a lot of his contemporaries said about him during the course of his career, not, you know, after death, but, like, while he was still in his prime you know, going back and watching a lot of those classic promos, you know, it's, it's like, if anything, it, it's kind of given us the gift to like step back, reflect and and actually relive a lot of those great memories. So, um, you know, it, it, it sucks that literally within 24 hours, we, you know, have had to be in our feelings about, you know, two, two legends of the industry. Um, but that's kind of the great thing about the pro wrestling community is um you know we can be divisive at times we could be at odds when it comes to like you know this promotion's better than that promotion and blah, blah you know get all up in our feels about numbers and ratings and everything um but when news like this happens, a lot of the community kind of rallies together and you know we we mourn our um we mourn our heroes together. And so, you know, it's like I said, if there was one good thing to kind of come out of all of this, it's been the wrestling community banding together. Um, it's been sharing a lot of our, our favorite memories of, uh, of these guys. And as long as we keep doing that, they'll live on, you know, they'll never truly die. Um, I was going to say, do you have any kind of final thoughts, uh, Oh, it, you know, we were sitting here talking about two legends passing away, and then, uh, what was it, uh, was it, Saturday or Sunday, friggin' Bob Barker <laughs> passing away. Another WWE Hall of Famer. Um, I, real quick, his his guest spot is like the guest Raw GM with, you know, Price is Raw, him yeah. and Jericho. I mean, shit, that's classic.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, whenever... People were saying, oh, Bob Barker died. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, why, it all comes in threes. It all
0: comes in threes. I, you know, but that dude lived to be 99. <laughs> shit. I, my whole thing is, is like,
1: <laughs> what's up? Like, like, the queen couldn't make it to 100. Bob Barker couldn't make it to 100. You know, just like. What? Betty White make it to 100? No. Yeah, I mean, like, no, shit. It's like, Betty White, the queen, Bob Barker did couldn't make it to freaking ninety nine. I mean, to one hundred. It's like shit. Like, like, damn, you're right there. You, <laughs> you know, so close. I just say this: they live a lot longer than I. I'm going to live. I That's know. I know. But I, look. I say, Terry Funk lived to seventy nine. You probably live more years than I. I will. No. Yeah. You know, I don't know how how my health is.
0: There. How I. Am. There was there was a joke going around about Bob Barker, uh, closest to a dollar without going over. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's funny. No, it, it, it's funny.
1: <laughs> you know, like Bob Barker, you know, like the you say in, like the wrestling is great. The the raw guest GM is is legendary, but it's the fight scene. Fucking Adam Sandler oh, and Happy well. Gilmore is the greatest fucking scene.
0: Oh yeah, well no, we could totally talk about that. That
1: shit was probably the Price greatest is
0: wrong, bitch. he's
1: like, steel guy. <laughs> I I mean you put him in those predicaments, he was great. Like he was a a, a pro's pro. He was a true showman. And he, he always you he could take over the show and everything. I just I you know, uh hats off to, to Bob Barker, his legendary career at Press Right and everything he did off the scene.
0: Uh I mean I know not to forget to get my pet spayed or neutered thanks to thanks to Barker.
1: You know, sometimes it's hard to replace legends and Drew Carey's doing a great job taking over with him, keeping the press right going. Uh, but uh
0: yeah, it's 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 hard to see uh
1: people that you grow up with, watching, and rooting for. You know, die off, and I think uh, like I like I, I don't know if I was telling, I think it was you or Kurt, but, you know. I could sit here and list all my favorite bands of all time. None of them are alive none of the lead singers are alive. Mm. Like I remember like like if you're if you're generation X and you grew up in a grunge grunge generation mm. you know all my favorite bands I mean the lead singers I, are gone. Yeah. You know, you know, we lost Kurt in and Nirvana. Then we lost Stanley uh from uh, uh Alice in Chains. Chains. Then we lost uh, Scott from
0: Scott Whalen uh,
1: from Stone Temple Pilots. Then we lost Chris Cornell from Soundgarden. That,
0: that one really stung, man. I uh, so like bring up Kurt Cobain. Like I, I actually remember because um, I was I was either seven or eight when he passed. But um, when I lived on the West Bank, our entire block. Um, Basically, Nothing but teenagers so like Growing up My Mom was I guess kind of like the cool mom In the neighborhood we always had like a bunch of these parties Or whatever their parents would come over With the kids and the kids would always be hanging out Like you know around our house So like I grew up with teenagers So like when the grunge Age hit You know that was the music they were into So that was the music I was Into just from hanging around with them so, I mean, like, you know, 90, 91, 92, I'm listening to Nirvana. I'm listening to Pearl Jam. I'm listening to Soundgarden. Um, you know, I'm listening to all, you know, all those bands from the Seattle, uh, Seattle scene. Um, so, I, I remember being um, affected when Kurt Cobain died. I remember watching his memorial service on MTV. Um Where Courtney Love read his
1: suicide
0: note and everything else. I still say that that bitch had a hand in it. But that's just the conspiracy theorist to me.
1: For that, Um, um, my cousin, one of my older cousins, he brought me me a tape. It was like 1988. He brought me a mixtape. Of Nirvana, and he was like, "Listen, this band's from Seattle. Um, is, it that al- it.
0: is it their album before Bleach?
1: This was just a a collection of pretty much all their B side. It was pretty much Bleach mm-hmm. before they even recorded it. it so it like, the de- a so the demo tape, basically. It was like, it, it was pretty much like their pre pre demo. It was like their first demo tape. Mm-hmm. And my cousin's like, I think you're gonna love it." And I remember popping it in and listening to it. And I, by the time I was eight, I was like eight, eight, eight yeah, eight, seven, eight, nine, nine, something like that. And I remember popping that tape in. I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is shit!" And I just started following. Them. I had Bleach before, never mind. Yeah. So I was already on that like that demo in '88. I was hooked hook, line, sinker. And then my cousin got, when Bleach came out, it was not globally, but he was stationed up there. Mm -hmm. He said that, he's like, here, I got, he came out with a new album, their first album, Bleach. Fucking love. Bleach, Bleach is my favorite album of all time on Nirvana. Mm. Then, never mind, it hit everything. Fast forward to the day he died. My cousin called the school. I was in school. I was in school. I was in class. I get a call. I get the overhead. I'm needed to the office. I'm like, oh, great. I'm getting freaking suspended or I'm getting punished or I'm getting detention. Because I got a phone call. My cousin called to, to break the news. Shit. It was like, I was it like, fourth period. Fourth, fifth period. Picked up. What's going on? Hey, Doug, Doug, goes, Kirk Cobain killed himself. Dead silent. Like everyone, everyone in the office thought I, like someone in my family died. And goes, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "Nothing." I walked out. I walked straight clean out the school, and I just started walking home. Yeah. I just and it, and they didn't stop me because one, I didn't give a fuck. I I cut school, did everything. I I didn't want to be there. They didn't want me there. So I just fucking clean clean the fuck walk off. They're yelling, telling me to get back. I'm like, "Fuck off." I go walk home, and I just sat in my room, no light, just just like, fuck, because I was ready for the next album, because I thought the next album was going to be that that next great album. Yeah. I thought that was going to be their best album afterwards, and we didn't get it, but the If this, this, and that, and knowing now, like, what could have been that pretty much half that first Foo Fighter album, Dave Grohl was writing, and those songs were kind of being written and trying to get past with, with Kurt to say, hey, look, look, how about this? How about that? Well, I just thought, you know, it it could have been one of those. it's,
0: It's just kind of crazy, you know, it, it. In a way, you could maybe sit there and see maybe what um, what kind of is born out of the legacies of Bray Wyatt, Terry Funk. Um, it, you brought up a great example with Dave Grohl. You know, um, had Kurt not died, do we get Foo Fighters? Do we get to see the Renaissance man that is Dave Grohl? I mean. Possibly down the road,
1: yeah, I would say yes, like... because Dave would have probably would have left the band, just knowing how Dave, there was a little knowing what I, what we know now, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, there was some disgruntled nation Courtney was trying to fracture Kurt and Dave out of the band, you know because he she thought Dave was getting too like I'm sorry guys, we talk you you give me on grunge we're going to talk grunge. <laughs> But there were so many things, but yeah, that's a whole sh- that's a whole podcast part. Others I'll, and-
0: I'll, I'll I'll we we'll, we'll, we'll I'll come to Fat Banter one day, and we'll that uh, we'll, probably we'll won't be a Fat those.
1: Banter. That would probably have to be on the K and the K and R podcast because that <laughs> we talk about that with with Kevin. That that Kevin's gonna be like, what the fuck are you talking about?
0: Well, no, I mean, but but kind of like to that to that extent though. Like out of you know Kurt's passing. Dave Grohl, then, then goes on forms Foo Fighters, and I mean, been on a hell of a run ever since. You know, what will the passing of um, Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk inspire in a lot of the talent now, or a lot of the up-and-coming talent? You know, it's... It'll be interesting to see what uh, what kind of legacies uh, are, are born out of this, so...
1: I, I, I think... I think the first notion for Terry Funk would be Sunday at all out. 'Cause ain't there ain't there supposed to be now an exploding deathmatch involved in that in an all out now?
0: Um, if it was announced tonight, maybe but I... I thought
1: I read that earlier today.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Um
1: If they have the exploding death deathmatch in all out, that's when you would probably see the first the first effects of Terry Funk. I, w- I think we already seen the effects of Bray Wyatt. Well, yeah. Passing.
0: I, I will say that it I, there were there were a lot of amazing tributes, not just from like WWE, but also a lot of the wrestlers on the
1: AEW roster.
0: Um, House of Black. Oh yeah.
1: I, I didn't get to see it. There's uh, we had some family issues going on. I didn't get to see uh, All In, but oh. I heard about the tribute that House of Black did to him.
0: I didn't, I mean, I didn't get to see it live. I ended up, because I had to work, but I ended up going over to Chris's house um, around 4.30, and he, thankfully, he had watched, like, half the pay-per-view, and then when he heard that I was coming over, he paused it, rewind, and then, like, we watched it after. Um, but, no, like, House of Black definitely did an um, amazing tribute. FTR, Um had a bunch of bands on their arms. Like one for Wyndham, one for Terry Funk, and one for uh, Jay Briscoe.
1: You know, um, you know you when you're getting old, when you're looking forward to a wrestling pay-per-view. And you know me, I, I don't like AEW. But I was like, I'm going to sit down and watch this. Stuff happens, and then next thing you know, during AEW pay-per-view, you're at a bluey at the Singer theater, watching Bluey with with, with a bunch of your, all your nieces and nephews, I'm mm. just sitting there. I'm like, man, I could have been home watching AEW, but I'm watching Bluey. <laughs> I'm getting old. Um, yeah. but uh, before we wrap up, um, real quickly about uh Bray Wyatt's uh, record.
0: Yeah, going to say, go ahead and get his,
1: it. His um. He ended up with a 411 wins, 626 losses, 19 draws, with a plus minus of a negative 215. Um, seven championships all the time, three major WWE title title runs, and his top five opponents shocked me, shocked me, shocked me.
0: Roman Reigns.
1: Roman Reigns number one. John Moxley, number two. John Cena, number three. Seth Rollins, number four. And Kane, number five. And he has a negative differential on all of them. <laughs> but number six is all time number six, Brian Danielson. And he had a plus 10 over Brian Danielson.
0: Hey, hey. You know, I'm, I'm actually happy that we went through this entire show and we didn't bring up Helena in a Cell fiend and Seth Rollins. They said this, is, this was supposed to be a um, joyous walk through his career and we're not going to focus on the negative, especially that.
1: Bo Dallas was actually number 10. Zero. 118, lost 18. Hmm. That's fifty-fifty booking at its finest. That was NXT because yeah. actually Bo Dallas gave Bray Wyatt his first loss in NXT. But to say brother versus brother, there's no when that that no one's better than the other. They're at zero. That's
0: very very fitting. Um, I was gonna say, do you have any closing remarks uh, before we? wrap it up
1: no i think we pretty much i
0: i mean like look i'll I'll throw this out there you know again this is kind of like on opposite ends of the spectrum because we had someone that was in the twilight of his of his life you know kind of passing at you know you might deem a, a life well lived 79 years of age um and then we have the opposite end of the spectrum where we lose somebody a lot sooner than anticipated. Um, If anything, I could sit there and and tell our um, fans listening in, you know, hold your loved ones a little bit closer. You know, cherish the time that you have with your family. Take care of yourself. I mean, whether it's it's physical, if it's mental, anything that – that you're struggling with that might be weighing you down that, you know, you know, if your, if your health isn't, uh, is it the greatest? I mean, you know, take action, take care of yourself. I mean, life is a beautiful thing. Don't waste it. And, uh, on that note, I think, uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Rage and Marks wrestling podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We appreciate your support. Um, you can follow us, uh, on the Facebooks, uh, I think uh, I think we have a uh, Instagram out there too that uh, T and K had put together. Not sure if we had as much activity on there. We should probably uh, <laughs> should probably work on that. Um, you can find us on all um, podcast streams. Or want to go ahead and give out all the? Uh...
1: Uh, you can pretty much on on Apple, Spotify. We're mostly on Spotify, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts. And sooner we'll be, once we get the team back, on we'll, the on we'll be on the YouTube.
0: Hey, hey, hey. So for this week's edition of the Rage of Marks Wrestling Podcast, Ravishing Randy signing out.
1: Rampage out.
0: Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.